Shalom, shalom, everybody. Welcome back to another episode of the Pulse of Israel here in our eternal and ancestral homeland, the land of Israel, in eternal and indivisible capital, Jerusalem, since King David's time. I am back again with one of our most favorite guests to truly understand what's going on in the Middle East, Middle East expert and expert on Islam, Dr. Moti Kedar. Shalom, Moti. Hi, Avi. It is always a pleasure having you. And uh, it is a great opportunity because there is such a huge news item that is really shaking up people's understanding of where people thought the direction of the Middle East was going. And I'm referring to the latest news that Iran and Saudi Arabia are in talks or have already made an agreement to renew their relationship. And again, for those who are not familiar, Saudi Arabia is the leader of the Sunni Muslim world. Iran is the leader of the Shiite Muslim world. The Iranian Shiite, the, the Islamic regime of Iran is a threat to the whole Sunni world. And that has led many of the Sunni countries, especially the Sunni Gulf countries, to normalize relations with Israel. There have been talks for years that have heated up recently, thanks to Israel's new government under Prime Minister Benjamin Netanyahu, that possibly we would have a normalization agreement between Israel and Saudi Arabia. And all of a sudden, this news item that Saudi Arabia is now signing a normalizing an agreement with their arch enemy, Iran basically pushing Israel out of the way. How are we supposed to understand this latest development? Well, in order to understand this, you have to understand the mindset of the Saudis. This mindset actually was shaped by some major events which happened to the last, uh, let's say, 10 years or even less. First of all, the signing of the JCPOA in 2015 the Saudis were absolutely outraged with what Obama and the European countries did and they actually considered it to be a stabbing in the back of the Saudis by giving this agreement to the Iranians, their vile enemy and the enemy which threatens not only Saudi Arabia but the whole Arab world and beyond. And they actually were so angry at the Americans those days of Obama and the Europeans because they thought, what, what are you doing, guys? Don't you know who these people are? Don't you know what they want? Don't you know how they think these Ayatollahs to take over the whole world, including us? And you are actually give them a license to develop nuclear weapons in all kinds of conditions and the Saudis, the Saudis were devastated because don't forget so many years which Saudi Arabia supplied the West with oil mm -hmm. and now you stab us in the back, you betray us in such a shameful, disgraceful way. How, so this is one thing. Uh, and the irony of all that, before you continue, is that the Obama administration and President Obama s sold to the world, and to Americans specifically, that the deal was so good because it would stop Iran from getting nuclear weapons. Well, but yet the reaction of Saudi Arabia uh, is Saudi Arabia was understood very, reality. Very, very uh, uh, outraged about this. this. This is one thing which we all have to remember, and the Saudis never forgot it. and never forgave it. 
This is one thing. Second thing, uh, let me take you to September, mid-September of 2019. Uh, one night, uh, Iran attacked um, some facilities of Aramco, the Saudi-American uh, oil company, and actually paralyzed some 50% of the Saudi ability to export oil for good uh, number of months. So this Aramco oil facility was in Saudi Arabia? In Saudi Arabia. And out of the blue, well, out of the dark, uh, came dozens of missiles and drones with, which were launched from Yemen, from Iraq, and from Iran. And the Americans knew about this, everything. They knew everything where these things were launched from and the whole world did nothing wow absolutely nothing neither the Americans under the leadership of Trump and the others nobody did anything the Saudis actually uh, uh, were so much hurt about this because it showed how vulnerable they are and how helpless they are vis-a-vis -vis the Iranians wow. and the world did nothing um, this is uh, the second, let's say, milestone in the, uh, in the way to... The third one uh, is the visit of Biden, uh, which came actually to try to have the relations between Saudi Arabia and, and, the, and, the, and, the, and the United States uh, to get it back to the tracks after America actually bashed uh, uh, Saudi Arabia in general and and uh, and, and uh, Ben Salman, Mohammed Ben Salman, the MBS, uh, in particular, for being responsible for the assassination of Khashoggi in Istanbul in the uh, October of 2018. And uh, actually, the United States changed its whole attitude to Saudi Arabia. Uh, because of this, because of this event. As dreadful as it was, uh, so in Saudi Arabia, first of all, there are executions uh, hundreds every year, hmm. and nobody does anything about this. But when they do something in Istanbul, and of course, dreadful as it was, look, I'm not uh, for sowing people, but uh, to change the uh, international relations, relations based on assassination, as dreadful as it, as it could be, uh, this is something which the Saudis were very, very disappointed about Americans. Um, and, and Americans had their, their own reasons uh, why to bash uh, Mohammed bin Salman. Uh, but uh, definitely uh, they cooled down their relations with, with Saudi Arabia because of this event. And the Saudis, of course, they, they, they were caught, uh, you know, what they did. But they didn't think that such a punishment uh, is that they deserve such a punishment mm -hmm. of uh, cooling, cooling relations. the relations between them and the United States uh, on the international level because of something which happened in the criminal uh, in the criminal level. So they were disappointed the Americans, and then Biden comes and asks them to increase the oil production in order to reduce the uh, uh, the price of the oil in the pumps in the United States in order to increase 
the chances of the um, of the uh, uh, Democrat uh, candidates to the Congress and the Senate, uh, you know, so so he doesn't have an an an, an Republican uh, led uh, uh, Congress. So now are you coming to us? That's what the Saudis asked. Now you are coming to beg uh, for oil after you bashed us in public about the Khashoggi and you betrayed us by um, by signing the, the, the agreement with Iran in 2015. And Biden, don't forget, was the vice president right. uh, in that time. So when you look at these milestones of the relations between Saudis and, and, and Americans, you can very, very well understand why the Saudis today are sick and tired of the Americans. They are disappointed. They never forgot, never forgave the Americans for their behavior. And they, they see it as a betrayal. Now, in the Middle East, if you betray your ally, you are not a human being. You are not a human being. You are somebody which nobody uh, should have any connections with you. Because friendship is above everything. Not interests, no nothing. Friendship Above and and, uh, and and loyalty. Once you are disloyal, you are finished. And in the Bedouin uh, tradition, as the Saudis represent, when they see some somebody in the world who who keeps betraying them, they don't want to have anything with them. And this is actually the cultural background of what we see today. You cannot detach it from culture because this area is run by culture, history, traditions, habits, mindset. This is what controls. It's not like in the West. Here, tradition is very, very important player in any game. So here we are. Now, on the other side, they see Iran uh, enriches uh, the uranium to 80 or more than 80 percent, means they are on the way to acquire 90 percent, which is the level which they need for, for nuclear weapon. Uh, nobody can stop them. Nobody dares to stop them. Not only this, Iran today is exporting uh, missiles and drones to Russia, although, according to the United Nations Security Council, Iran is not supposed, is not, not, not allowed to export anything connected to uh, weapons. They are not allowed. And they couldn't care less about what this decision of the Security Council. And lo and behold, the world does nothing. Hmm. Neither the Americans, nor the British, nor the French, all the superpowers which are, which are the uh, permanent members of the Security Council, they do nothing. Of course, Russia and China will not do anything, but even the Western countries do not do anything, do not say even anything against the Iranians. So the Iranians can do whatever they like. And here, and here we are now, the, 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 the Saudis think from the point of view of what we say, if you cannot beat them, join them. And this is actually what happened. They see that the Iranians could do to them whatever they like, and look, the Saudis, from the military point of view, they are paper tiger. They want nothing. Their army is equipped with the 
state of the art weapons from America, but apparently they don't know how to operate it. This is why they failed in, in Yemen. This is why they depend on others to supply all kinds of missiles against the, the, uh, the Houthis missiles and others. And uh, they actually are helpless from the military point of view. So they understood. Now, they also understand that Israel will never send its troops, even if they have mutual defense agreement with Israel, Israel will never send Israeli troops in order to fight against whoever on the Saudi soil in order to save Saudi Arabia. Got it. The, that, that's why you can't compare Israel to America as an ally to help save Saudi Arabia. Right. America, American forces is something that only America can give. Right. An alliance with Israel gives a lot of things, but doesn't give them boots on the ground to help fi fight Iran if it Definitely. first comes to shove. So Israel is also not such a big help vis-a-vis -vis Iran. Of course, Israel has some kind of deterrence, but will Israel use its deterrence if the Iranians are attacking the, the, uh, the, the Saudis with conventional weapons? Not at all. They assume that Israel will never do it. So uh, the bottom line is mm. that they feel themselves isolated, left alone, under the bus, Thrown under the which bus. Uh, Obama and Biden, and to some extent uh, uh, Trump as well, um, pushed them under, all of them pushed them under the bus. So the hell with America. Who cares about America? Neither Democrats nor the Republicans, neither of them is working with us and, and would do anything in, in order to save us from the wrath of the Iranians. So if you cannot beat them, join them. So this is what, what they decided to do in order to save themselves, in order to get closer to the bad guy of the area, means the Iranians, in order to make sure that this bad, bad guy doesn't uh, hurt them again, as, as they did to the Aramco uh, facilities. So, uh, and, and this is actually what happens. And don't forget that there is another issue which apparently pushes the Saudis into the bosom of the Iranians. This is the domestic problems in Israel. Wow. The judicial or the constitutional crisis, which gives Israel the image of a weak country. You're not referring to the fact that Israel is trying to implement judicial reform. You're referring to the, the protest movement against the, the, the judicial right. reform this government's right. trying to make. This is unprecedented, this struggle within Israel. And this gives Israel an, the image of a, of a weak country. Because when people fight each other, when people are arguing with, with each other, when the government cannot make decisions, when can, the government cannot shape policies, Israel is viewed as a weak country. So the Saudis, again, draw the conclusions. Say, hey guys, we understand. You, do, you cannot get along with each other. You don't, you don't get your act together. So Israel is a weak country because when the people cannot get their act together, everybody who is in the neighborhood can take advantage of them and can, can do to them whatever he likes. So uh, they understand that Israel suffers from some built-in 
uh, problem uh, caused by the democracy here in Israel or by the openness. And uh, so they say, okay, we understand. You deal with your issues. And uh, we'll find uh, uh, countries which are more reliable and or we have to make sure that they don't hurt us. And uh, of course, this is what makes them uh, throw themselves into the Iranian bosom. But I want to push back on you to, to better understand this, because we always have division and arguments in Israel between the right and left, whether it's cultural issue, issues, whether it's religious issues, whether it's a pullout from the Gaza Strip of, of 2005, whether it's not fighting terrorism and looking weak because we allow the Palestinian Authority to get away with things and allow Jordan to have power on the Temple Mount even though they're not supposed to have power. There are so many issues and divisions that make Israel look weak to Saudi Arabia or the Muslim Arab world. What is different and unique about this issue that is giving them the message that, oh my God, we, we, we can't rely on, on a strong Israel to be there to back us up and we have to then go in the Iranian direction? Because what happens today in Israel actually reminds the Saudis about struggles in the Arab world. It's a struggle for power between the ruler and those who want to take the rulership out of his hands. You're, wait a second, this, this is very is, interesting. Yes. I, I just want to translate. You're referring to the struggle in Israel, which in a sense is between the Israeli population that voted for changes in the judicial system, and, and, and it's against the power brokers of Israel, which is basically the political left. That reminds them of the struggles within the Arab world about the power it, struggles it, it there is, as well. It is more a struggle between the Knesset and the government on one side, and the a Supreme Court or the judicial system. When this is a struggle, as you see, with so many people support this side and so many people support that side, and they cannot even speak to each other and come to terms with each other, the Saudis draw the conclusion that Israel is actually on its way uh, to commit a mass suicide. And uh, so therefore, they say, okay, they wish that they wish good luck. And they will go to be under the hegemony of another power, uh, wow. which apparently uh, actually uh, uh, passed through good uh, five months of violence, domestic violence, you know. Iran, the revolution Iran, in Iran you're referring and to. And they succeeded to survive the Iranian regime. So look at, the, uh, look, look at the, what happens in Israel, very soft country, and look at Iran. The weakness of a democracy versus the the power of right. a dictatorship right. theocracy. Right. Yep. So this is actually another thing which pushes the, the Saudis into the bosom of the Iranians. Wow. And the sad thing for me is understanding, uh, and I know for you as well, understanding the reality of Israel and what this judicial reform is here to, to correct, to strengthen Israeli democracy. And whether one agrees or disagrees with different aspects of the judicial reform, the opposition and the coalition can sit and talk and come to negotiations, even with the disagreements. And instead of that, we have the political and cultural leadership of the left who have created this false reality as if it's a destruction of, of Israeli democracy and that they can't talk. They are willing, they are willing, again, you're talking about the Israeli left and Ehud Barak was asked this, former Prime Minister Ehud Barak was asked by senior Israeli journalist 
uh, Amit Segal, straighten his face on, on, on primetime news. You were willing to talk and give away parts of the land of Israel with arch-terrorist Yasser Arafat, but you are saying no to ever talk with the Israeli government and yet your Justice Minister Yair Levine to negotiate judicial reform? And he stumped former Prime Minister Ehud Barak. But that is the situation, and it's, it's, it's a self it's a self-created... Self-defeating uh, situation. Self-defeating situation. So wow. this is the, this another reason for the Saudis to say to the Israelis, uh, hey guys... We're choosing yeah. Iran over you. Uh, we, of course. Wow. Um, don't forget that uh, here there is another player, which is China. And China is wholeheartedly with Iran. Uh, China needs Iran for the oil. China buys Iranian oil in spite of the sanctions. Um, and and uh, here, if Saudi Arabia accepts the mediation of the Chinese, it actually gives the Chinese some kind of an advantage vis-a-vis -vis the Americans. And everybody, everybody knows today that uh, America's main concern after uh, Russia and U in Ukraine is actually China. Right. And the Chinese behavior in, in the seas and, and, and everything else. So here, here we are. Saudi Arabia found, I, I would say, a way how to retaliate uh, against the United States. Wow. And it is kind of retaliation uh, or stick their, uh, their uh, uh, finger in the or their, their, their nail into the eye of the Americans. Hey, guys, you betrayed us. You had the JCPOA. You didn't help us in September 19. You bashed us all over the place. Uh, 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 with the issue, the hell with you. Now we are with your enemies, with Iran and with China, and you can go jump in the lake. This is what what more or less the Saudis are saying, even without words. And this is how they feel. This is how they act. And this is what they project uh, from the fact that they signed a disagreement with the Chinese participation. So, am I, is it safe to assume that there will be no normalization talks between Israel and Saudi Arabia now? Or is that something that could still be done even with realignment between Saudi Arabia and Iran? Well, I think that as far as, as it was uh, until today, today is even further. And uh, look, they talk, there are all kinds of talks about Egypt as well to join Iran and join Saudi Arabia with Iran. And in addition, don't forget that the Emirates, the United Arab Emirates, already um, op reopened the Iranian embassy some months ago in the, in the United Arab Emirates. Of course, they assured Israel that it will not come on the expense of uh, the relations between them, themselves and Israel. Yet, uh, we cannot ignore the increasing role of Iran in the Gulf, in Saudi Arabia, uh, and the fact that America does nothing, question if America can do anything about this, and uh, will do something. So here we are. I think that the American administration now can very, I would say, successfully abandon the Middle East and now the Middle East became the 
the wholeheartedly, of course, except for Israel, with Iran and with China. And this is a very, I would say, significant success or achievement of the American administration. They, they, it's a total failure and a total loss of the Americans, which are losing their friends one after one. And look, in the background, don't forget that there are two other things. First of all, everybody remembers the Budapest Memorandum of 1994, in which the Ukraine gave up on its nuclear weapons, or nuclear weapons which they should have gotten from the previous Soviet Union, but they gave up in order to gain some goodwill from President Clinton, who claimed that the Ukraine situation is much safer without the nuclear weapons. Would the Russians dare to touch the Ukrainians if the Ukrainians had kept what they were supposed to keep from the nuclear arsenal of the Soviet Union? Of course not. But Clinton, with his dreams, said what he said. So, now, Saudi Arabia sees that America, who is signed on this memorandum, this Budapest memorandum, sees the invasion of Russia to Ukraine already eight years ago, when they annexed the Crimean Peninsula. And America does nothing. So what, what is the, the value of American commitments if they right. do nothing uh, uh, based on their commitment? So uh, Saudi Arabia draws the, the, the conclusions from the American behavior or misbehavior uh, towards its uh, friends and allies. And uh, so they said in their way, uh, thank you so much and uh, leave us alone. And we'll leave you alone and uh, uh, we wish you good luck. More or less, this is what the Saudis said, said to the Americans in different uh, so what, words. So what does this latest development, what impact does this latest development have on Israel's existing normalized relations with the Gulf states, considering that Saudi Arabia was the patron they would, those, and I understood this from you if I'm not mistaken, that those Gulf states would not have signed the normalization agreements if they would, were not given the go-ahead green light by Saudi Arabia. So what impact does this have with Saudi Arabia well, pivoting to Iran? As I said already here in this room, that I will be the last man on earth to be surprised if the United Arab Emirates uh, will tell Israel, okay guys, uh, it's enough. And now we have to cut our relations or reduce our relations or to do something to our relations because, because uh, this is a situation. Of course, it will be based on or as a result of uh, Iranian pressure, no doubt. Uh, and I already warned since these agreements were signed that we should not take these things uh, you know, for granted because in the Middle East things change. You, my favorite line from says, you, my favorite line from you is peace in the Middle East is like the sands in the Middle East. Sand. goes with, with the direction of the wind. Matzav Aruach changes, changes its with situation the or its position according to the situation of the wind, which as you know in Hebrew it's also the mood. The mood. So 
here we are, and since I said it here, I can repeat it. The nothing in the Middle East is a steady thing. Everything is, you know, fluid, according to the situation, according to pressures, according to your 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 mood. And if somebody says something wrong, it might bring a, a major change to its international relations, only because he says something. Look, uh, here in the Middle East, we also saw. A, a soccer game which almost brought two countries to a, on, an all-out war. What are you referring it to? It was a, a soccer game between Algeria and Egypt. And Algeria won. And the Egyptians were outraged. And they devastated Algerian cars. And I, it was in Sudan. The Arab uh, game, uh, soccer games. Okay. And uh, the Algerians won. And the Egyptians were went outraged, and uh, it almost brought the two countries to an all-out war. Oh my God! Of uh, course, they they cut the relations, and the ambassadors were uh, recalled because wow. of the soccer game. Wow! This is the Middle East, uh, be- because uh, don't forget that Egypt is the oldest Arab country, and Algeria is the youngest. Uh, well, almost the youngest. I mean, mo- oldest modern Arab country. Right. Okay. And not forget, don't forget the the ancient Egyptian. So the Egyptians are very, let's say, full of themselves okay. because of their history and their, you know, statehood and everything. While Algeria is one of the newest Arab countries since 1962, and very tribal. Uh, I would say, uh, culturally backwarded. So the Egyptians definitely patronize Algeria. And here is this this, uh, barefoot... uh, Algerians Algerians beat the proud Egyptians. ...are are, are actually winning the game against the the Egyptians. So the Egyptians didn't accept it. So uh, there was a tension between the two countries, and almost they they started a war. This is the Middle East. And this is the Middle East. People are fighting on on soccer. this is uh, what uh, the, the mindset here in, the, in this uh, region is different. And I highly encourage uh, everyone who really wants to understand the Middle East to study Arabic. Because only in Arabic you can, and Persian, of course, if you want to uh, 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 read uh, some, uh, th- some things in, 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 you know, which are written in Iran, Turkish also can help you very well. So, uh, no doubt to go around the need to master the language, at least one language of the Middle East in order to understand that part of the world. Or if you're not going to be studying Arabic, continue watching the Pulse of Israel videos when I'm interviewing Dr. Moti Kedar, because as you're hearing anything we read in our Western-oriented news media sources, 99.999% of the media on the Middle East is disconnected from reality of the actual... Or biased against Jews to begin with. Or biased against Israel and Jews to begin with. So basically what I'm hearing from you is you would not be surprised if, whether publicly or privately, little by little, the Abraham Accords start to unravel, in a sense. Yeah, no doubt. And uh, we really have to look at the cultural issues as well. Not only what uh, somebody said, it's also why he says these things, what motivates him to say these things. And what are the ramifications of such saying? 
Dr. Kedar, thank you so much for your expert information. Thank you so much. It is uh, so helpful. I hope all of you are further uh, empowered in understanding what is going on, how to translate that into what might be happening or whatever lens you had reading the news up until now regarding the Middle East, Israeli relations with Gulf states, with Saudi Arabia, uh, tension with Iran. Hopefully now you have a different lens to start picking apart everything you're reading to have a better understanding. May we look forward to a safe and peaceful future based on truthful information, good leadership, signing off from the eternal ancestral homeland of the, Jew of the Jewish people, the land of Israel, here in our eternal and indivisible capital, Jerusalem. So many truths just in that small sentence that everyone should be internalizing. This is Avi Abelow saying shalom for the Pulse of Israel. Thanks for watching, Thank everyone. You. Pulse of Israel, frontline videos from the Holy Land. Support our work by donating today.